Welcome to Locked On's 2023 NBA Mock Draft Special. The most comprehensive mock draft with local and national experts providing insight and analysis you can't get anywhere else. Don't miss a single pick as we discuss where the future stars of the NBA will call home. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome into episode four of the 2023 Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special, the most comprehensive mock draft you will find. And it got even bigger this year. The six-episode series will take you through the entire first round of the NBA draft with unparalleled insight from all of the drafting teams thanks to the local experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the special, you'll hear from our local NBA shows, dozens of our college shows that cover your favorite teams every Monday through Friday, our NBA draft experts from the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. And this year, you'll get to hear from our Locked On NBA insider, Howard Beck. Very exciting. Happy to be here hosting this year as well. I'm Kylan Mills, basketball host and analyst with the Pac-12 Network, NBC Sports Bay Area, ESPN+. Plus. I will not be shamed out of naming my credentials by these two. Uh, I'm also the co-host of the Locked On Warriors podcast. Alongside me are NBA draft analyst and host of the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, Rafael Barlow, and college basketball expert and co-host of Locked On College Basketball Podcast, Isaac Shade. Like I said, that's a mouthful from y'all too. So, you know, I was getting teased in our last couple episodes. I've got many jobs, life of a freelancer. But in episode four, we're going to break down all kinds of exciting selections in our first three episodes. Picks one through 15 went down to check those out. You got to go watch those episodes. But for you guys, Raphael and Isaac, were there any surprises in the first selections we saw? Yeah, I mean, the the trade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Orlando Knicks trade. I'm still I'm still kind of blown away by that. Um, Keontae George has, hasn't been selected. That that stands out to me. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just still going back to, oh, then the, the Utah Jazz and, and Oklahoma City Thunder trade, just how easily it went down and just how. <laughs> <laughs> and then also David Locke reporting from the jungle. I think that was, that was oh man we, we need some green screen action where we just get all sorts of different backgrounds behind him while that's you know like a jail cell a, a, a pyramid <laughs> a exploding volcano and just get a reel going of it yeah. but right. the sound, you gotta have the sound in the background he really sounded like he was in a jungle too yeah, oh, we man. did get an update that he was in Costa Rica filming or has been in Costa Rica while taking part in this mock draft. So That's way to I do don't it. know, man, that's dedication. dedication. If I was in Costa yeah. Rica, I don't know that I'd be recording, you know, anything for a mock draft. I don't know yep. about y'all. <laughs> uh, and biggest surprise for me has got to be the Grady Dick choice at pick number six for the magic i think outside of that it's gone pretty you know i, I can't really um quibble with much outside of that but that, that's probably the biggest reach that i've seen so far okay so one thing that we were following isaac that i know that you were talking about going into episode one of this draft is that we've never had fewer than 10 of 14 lottery picks who are college players give us an update on where that stands based on what we saw in our first couple episodes yeah, absolutely. What's interesting is after those first five, we were starting to think, man, are, are we going to just get this run here? And, and even those first five itself was unprecedented, as we had talked about. But things pretty much normalized after that in terms of what we typically see in the lottery, because then pick six through 14 were all out of the college rank. So when it was all said and done, we had eight college freshmen 
two college sophomores, two from overtime elite, and then one each from the international ranks. Obviously, that's Wemby, and then one from the G League as well. Scoop. All right. Yeah, there we go. So my question, we'll start with you, Raphael, is, you know, what does that say about level of talent that are playing in these, you know, now G League teams, also international talent? You know, what are you seeing from those players who are coming in and how do they stack up against uh, collegiate players here in the U.S.? One, I think it can be difficult to evaluate because you have mm-hmm. years and years of, of just... I mean, just years of experience evaluating college players. And now you throw in the Ignite. I mean, this is their third draft. And then over time, this is their second. But Mm -hmm. they have two of the, you know, top five players. And it's really hard to evaluate that. And then throw in how difficult it is to evaluate European prospects. And so for scouts, I mean, you have, I mean, you got your work cut out for you. And then... I mean, we haven't even got to Australia yet. I mean, we got a guy, Ryan Rupert, that is coming from the NBL and their Next Stars program. And then there's like this tug of war that, that we saw with the guys that decided to remain in school. I think without NIL, mm-hmm. most of those guys are going to stay in the draft. But now the NIL money is so big, it makes more financial sense for some guys to stay in school. So you've got like this tug of war where college basketball is like fighting back, like you know, we're going to put these guys in position to where fans can have players that are around for three or four years that are NBA level prospects. But then you got the Ignite pulling guys out of high school. I mean, it's, it's actually good for basketball, but it's a lot of work for the scouts because there's so many options and so many paths to the draft now. And it's just, go ahead, yeah. Colin. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to ask you a question. So, Isaac, first, let's get your thoughts. And then I've got <laughs> questions for you as our college expert. So, go well, I specifically it. wanted to talk about the Thompson twins because the, the one that is I, I'm continuing to, to be curious if overtime elite is going to be able to hang around with the Thompson twins. I think it's less about overtime elite has made the Thompson twins. And with them, it's like wherever they went they were going to be in this position, whether it was college or G League, if they had gone overseas down to New Zealand or whatever it is, we were going to have the Thompson Twins in the lottery of this draft. Over time, like, there's a lot of question about the, the level of competition that they're playing, like whereas G League Ignite, you know, they're getting, for my money's worth, more um, high-level competition that they're playing against. And so I, I'm really curious to see long-term what effect Overtime Elite has, whereas uh, between that and G League Ignite, I think G League Ignite certainly has the upper hand in having the staying power with the NBA's uh, dollars behind it. Well, I think that the, the Overtime Elite League is going to survive. They may not have as many guys going straight from OTE to the NBA, but they've made some changes where they have like a scholarship option yes. and a um, hmm. salary option. If you take the scholarship option, you're eligible to play college basketball. So we've seen a few guys go from overtime to college. I mean, there's a kid, uh, Kaden Carlisle, that's going from OTE to Stanford. You have uh, Rob Dillingham. I think he's going from OTE to Kentucky. So OTE. From, from Donda to OTE to Kentucky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't forget about <laughs> that experience with Donda. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so I think overtime is going to be fine. I think the Thompson Twins being so good and bringing the additional attention and exposure in the beginning helps them out. But I still think, realistically, you're going to see guys go from overtime to 
college because now even overtime players can play in the McDonald's game now. So you're starting to, mm. to see um, some, some shifts that they've made. To our 16th pick in our mock draft, the Utah Jazz now on the clock. Now Utah took guard Casey Wallace out of Kentucky with the 12th pick in our mock draft. David Locke, super pumped up. What direction do they go here, Isaac? Well, I mean, it, we, we've talked so much about we love Keontae George. We'd love to see him go. I don't think that's happening here because of Casey Wallace. I don't think it'll be Jalen Hitchafino. You know, like, I don't think you go guard-guard. So maybe we eat some of the forwards we've talked about, whether it's like a, a Gigi Jackson or uh, maybe you could go with Jetta Howard here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not going guard again for, like, more point guardy specific here. Yes, I did just say point guardy, and I apologize. <laughs> It's a word. We just made it into a word. All right, Raphael, what do you think for the Utah Jazz is the biggest need knowing that they now have Case and Wallace? Uh, I don't know if they draft for need here. This is really like best player available and maybe even just best long-term prospect available. They have all of the draft capital and assets and they have the timeline to swing for the fences. Hmm. And I'm going with Gigi Jackson if I'm the Jazz here. We talked about Gigi in a prior episode. Reclassified up. He's, I mean, instead of preparing for the draft, he was supposed to be going to his prom. And he averaged 15 points per game in the SEC as a freshman who skipped his senior year of high school. And I am a big believer that Gigi Jackson will be the number one pick in 2024. So if you're Utah, you get a guy at 16 who you probably wouldn't be able to get in 2024 unless you were really, really bad. And so I would go with Gigi Jackson. Okay, do you think that's the best player available, Isaac? If they Ooh. go that if they go best talent or maybe best potential. I th- do you agree that Gigi Jackson is the pick? Well, and in therein lies the trick of this because best player available is in terms of player, yeah. Right is is the skill set versus that potential that you just talked about and that yeah. is that balance you as that's why these front offices make the decisions and money they do mm-hmm. because it's like projecting out uh, like uh, who would be one of the next couple guys off the board that might be a little bit older they're all young um, but we're like Chris Murray is a little bit down the board a little bit who um, has an, a little bit older a little more experience in college versus a Gigi Jackson when Gigi Jackson is Chris Murray's age in a decade from now um, <laughs> <laughs> would he be at that same level or above and I think most NFL front offices would say yeah the ceiling for Gigi is probably higher than the ceiling for Chris. And so because of that, then you look at him as potential best player available right now. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I have, an, I have an example real fast. Let's say yeah. last year, a team made Kobe Buffkin a promise to select him at number 30, right? He was a young freshman last year. He only averaged three points per game, but maybe they were projecting mm-hmm. a hit. If they would have made a promise for Kobe Buffkin at 30, let him develop this season instead of developing in college, that would have been a win for him. But now that team can't get Kobe Bufkin at 30 because he, where did he go in, in, in our draft? Um, 15 in the or 16, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right outside the lottery. So uh, 13, sorry, in the lottery. Yeah, he went in the lottery, yeah. So okay. I think with, with Gigi, if you draft him now, it's like getting the number one pick, even if you just use next season as a total development year. Let's say Utah drafts when they haven't played with the Utah Stars. He's going to get better and he's going to be in their system. And it's like you got the number one pick in 2024. So you make a great case. Well, David Locke has made his pick. Let's go to our Locked On Jazz host, David Locke, with a 16th selection in our draft. 
With the 16th pick, the Utah Jazz take Leonard Miller out of the G League. This is the first of four first-round draft picks the Jazz are guaranteed to have from the Minnesota Timberwolves in the Rudy Gobert trade. So the Jazz add the six-foot-tall, long, lanky, athletic G League player in Leonard Miller. Now, Miller's not a very good shooter at this point in his career, incredibly limited, actually. So it will be a task for the Jazz developmental staff to be able to turn him into a good shooter. But you just don't get six foot ten athletes of this nature. He played against men last year in the G League. He should be more ready than some others. Certainly developmental at 16, but with a huge upside and a massive possibility for the Utah Jazz. When you have three first round draft picks, you take some big swings. Okay. I mean, he makes a fair point about making big swings when, you know, Utah does have such a stockpile of draft picks. So 694 Leonard Miller now off the board. This guy is a 7-2 wingspan. What do you see his potential being, Isaac? You're, well, you're doing the motion of the wingspan. The wing, that's exactly the first, one of the first places I was going to go. Interestingly, here's the thing about David Locke. He didn't pick Gigi Jackson like we were talking about, but he used the same logic to get to Leonard Miller in terms of potential and upside and raw and all those yep. buzzwords that you would use for that type of pick. And so for that, it makes a ton of sense. I, I'm tracking with all the logic he just used there, and I can't fault it. Another kind of unique quirk about him is similar to yours truly. Leonard Miller's a southpaw, but very capable with both hands from what I've seen in getting to the rim, doing what he needs to do. Yes, as David said, the shooting has to grow. Uh, Another thing that has to grow is his waistline, similar to our conversation a couple episodes ago about that potential, potentially very lean front court in Oklahoma City. Uh, My man Leonard Miller's like 210 or something like that. So uh, I think he's only got Chet by like 15 pounds if if you want to make kind of an image in your brain of what Leonard Miller needs to do. So we got to get him eating some food there in Utah. Um, and that, that would be a good thing. But man, the, the potentials there, the heights there, the reboundings there. I, I, I love this as a developmental pick. Same thing that Raphael was saying with Gigi. Get him, send him down to the G League where he just came from. But the Utah's G League team, let him continue to develop until he's ready. Let him get those minutes. Like I often think about this as as somebody that grew up playing baseball. I would rather have a guy playing in AAA at against near major league level guys and getting those reps day in and day out rather than sitting the bench with the big club. And that's what I think would be a good thing for Leonard Miller. Let him go play in the G League for a while until he's more ready. I'm going to disagree with you here. Do it. I love it. Finally, some drama. You guys have been agreeing on everything. <laughs> I mean, Leonard Miller averaged 17 and 10 in the G League this year. And in March, 22 points, 12.9 rebounds, two assists, one steal, 1.7 blocks, 64% from the floor, 58% from three, 90% from the foul. Leonard Miller is ready to contribute to the Utah Jazz next season. He was one of the better players in the G League. And the way he played in March, he was trending in the right direction. I was actually at a game where he had 20 points and 20 rebounds. He's ready. Okay. Well, so you know what? <laughs> yeah, so be it. So, Isaac, where does college basketball stand with all of these G League players going so high in, in this draft? Um, it's great. It's fine. Um, 
in terms of like the product of college basketball, yeah. um, you're always going to be losing a couple guys to some form of external source, whether it's uh, straight out of high school, whether it's to the G League or taking the Brandon Jennings route and going international, whatever it may be. That's just always been a thing that college basketball has had to contend with. But uh, what keeps bringing people back for college basketball is the loyalty to a program and the loyalty to a head coach, which is really more what the brands in college basketball are about, rather than the young men whom at most you get for four years or five in this COVID era. And so like, yes, sometimes you might miss on a couple of the highest level talents, but the majority of these young men are still coming to college basketball. And so if G League Ignite is is the route for you, uh, like for example, Ron Holland, who was committed to Texas and uh, withdrew from that and then recently committed, I believe it was to G League Ignite, in fact. Um, it's like, man, that's a, that is a loss for the sport of college basketball, but there will be somebody else to step in and do what people love about college basketball, which is just make crazy plays. And there's 363 teams in Division One. There's always guys going to fill out these rosters. And does the NIL add an extra incentive, do you think, <laughs> for players to now go the college route? Because I think it's interesting while we're having this push-pull with the G League emerging. Also, though, like NIL has changed the game. You mentioned earlier players staying in college longer, but do you think players are maybe choosing that route in part because, you know, seeing the opportunity, the money to be made? Absolutely. Um, and again, we go back to who was it we talked about on the last episode about playing under the lights of a, a, a national college basketball team at uh, I can't even remember who it was now. Forgive me. We've but, gone through um, so many picks, you know, it's all, it's all a blur, but um, we but, get where you're coming from. Right. Um, and, and how big a thing that can be. And so if the money's equal, would you rather go play in the G League in front of nobody? Now, different types of development because you're working with NBA personnel already. I get that side of it. Or would you rather go play in front of on an ESPN audience consistently in front of lots and lots of people who, by the way, are going to love you forever because you went to their school. And so there, there's that side of it. There's also more player freedom and autonomy in college than ever, not just because of NIL, but also because of the one-time transfer portal, which now allows you to transfer one time without penalty of having to sit out a year. And so all of that adds up to players being like, yeah, I'll go spend a year in college. Let's do it. I'll make some money and then go on and be on my way. Yeah, that was a big topic at the at the combine of who is staying, who is going to um, return to school. And I heard one school, I won't mention the school's name because I can't verify it, which I don't know if we can anyway with NIL. But I heard there was one particular school that had a six million dollar collective budget for basketball players. And so the buzz around some guys was like, if he goes back to school, he can make maybe a million dollars or five hundred thousand. And it is more so, I, I guess you can't say it's necessarily guaranteed, but it's very likely that he's going to get the money. While if you're picked outside of the top 40, then you may end up on a two-way contract. And then when you go on a two-way contract, I mean, that could be dropped at, at any time. So I think on one hand, the NIL has definitely changed college basketball, especially if you're at a, a bigger school. You can make more money, enjoy the college experience. But on the flip side, I talked to one player and he mentioned, I've done college for a few years. I don't get better at practice. And that was his mm. biggest reason for staying in the draft because he felt like he was a big and he said, the team's backups are nowhere near as good and he's not being challenged in practice. So 
he feels like even if he goes to the G League and you know misses out on you know playing in front of big crowds in those big games, he feels like he'll be challenged more long term. And that's that development piece that we were talking about that some people have to make a business decision mm -hmm. at the end of the day in that regard. Yep. To your point about business, I think that's an important part of it, too, because the G League Ignite used to be located or started out playing here in the Bay Area. And I went out to some practices, talked to some of their players, and they treat the G League teams like a business. Even these young players coming in 17, 18 years old, like you're expected to act like a professional. They are kept on a tight, tight regimen that is of a professional NBA level. So, you know, where I could see some allure of the college experience being, hey, you know, you can go have fun. You can go do some of the extracurriculars while also playing basketball, being a star and you know, getting some of the accolades that, that you mentioned, Isaac. So I could see the experience, you know, being something to think about, too, in terms of just, hey, it's one year of development. Could I afford to go to college for a year, you know, and enjoy that versus you're essentially catapulting yourself into that NBA business side role with the G League, at least from what I've talked to some of these players. I don't know if you've heard anything different, Rafael, but, you know, I do think they really are aimed at preparing them to be, you know, business people that are developing into, you know, the NBA right now versus, you know, college is a different experience. And, and that, the intel, the intel, when you're in the Ignite program, the intel, you you don't have to, the scouts and front office don't have to like go talk to a college coach who's probably going to try to sell you. And, and so yeah, he's a great guy. But the, from what I've heard, the G League intel is direct. They know when you're late. They know everything about you instead of having to like, you know, kind of like be a, a, a private investigator and find out like they do it with, with guys in college. End of the day, I just love the options that are available. For some guys, the college route's better. For some guys, G League Ignite or Overtime or International or whatever it is. And I just love what we're doing to help take care of all these different styles of what works best for you and your development. Let's make that happen. All right, well, the consensus here, getting back to Leonard Miller, which is how we started this whole separate uh, tangent, getting back to Leonard Miller, the consensus here amongst us seems to be good pick by David Locke, but let's see what Richard Stamen of Locked on NBA Big Board has to say about it. With their second pick in the first round, the Utah Jazz select Leonard Miller from the G League Ignite, making him the second G League Ignite player to be drafted. He has enormous frame, an enormous frame with 6'10", length seven foot two plus wingspan big hands he checks everything for physically the only thing that you can maybe pick apart as to why this may not be the best pick is his jump shot is really far away but i think he's got the passing i think his transition offense is nba ready i think his defense is nba ready and as he tightens his handle i think you'll see a lot more development from him utah is one of the most ideal spots to develop a player especially someone raw like leonard miller I really like this fit. I think Leonard Miller is going to return great value after year one. So starting year two, I think you can plug him into any single lineup and he'll be a positive player, which is an automatic win with the second first round pick for any team. Okay, there you have it. Lakers are up next with the 17th pick in our Locked On NBA mock draft. Lakers were just one step away from the NBA finals. Can they add a piece that will help them get there? We'll find out in just a moment.
The Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special is brought to you by Ibotta. Everything's getting so expensive these days, everyone's looking for a way to save money. Ibotta is a great way to do exactly that. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It is actually that easy. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with ibotta including lowe's macy's sephora's best buy and much more right now ibotta is offering your listeners just five dollars for trying ibotta by using the code locked on when you register just go to the app store or google play store and download the free ibotta app and use the code locked that's ibotta in the google play or app store use the code locked you'll definitely want to check it out Continuing on with our Locked On NBA Mock Draft special, the Los Angeles Lakers are now up with a 17th pick. LeBron's future in question a little bit. Some people reading the tea leaves on his comments after the Lakers were eliminated in the NBA playoffs. Who, who, what direction do you think they go in this draft? Do they still draft as if LeBron and AD are the cornerstones of the organization? Or do you try to draft someone to replace LeBron? <laughs> yeah, okay, not that you can replace LeBron. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not that you can replace LeBron, but I'm saying positionally. <laughs> We're with you, Kylan. We know what you're talking about. It's like yeah. when Pete Myers replaced Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, please don't put me in that category. Okay. Not replace LeBron, but do you draft with the mindset that LeBron and AD are back as the cornerstones, or do you think that you consider the chance that LeBron is gone? Well, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but I think LeBron signed a two-year, $97 million contract a few months back. He's not walking away from $97 million. He even said that he wants to play with his son. I think he was just kind of caught up in the emotions of getting swept. Mm. He's not walking away from $97 million. Especially if he wants to buy an NBA team in Vegas in a few years, he may need that 97 million. So LeBron is coming back. You draft a shooter to compliment. And there's a young man who will be at a college freshman at the University of Southern California by the name of Bronny James, whom I think, you know, let's stay around. See what happens. You heard it here first. Okay, we're breaking this news. We all are in agreement. I agree. I don't think that LeBron retires. But like I said, there are the rumors swirling. So, you know, um, Isaac, if we're looking at a shooter to compliment LeBron, who do you see coming off the board next? Uh, we've talked about Jet Howard. That could be a good option. Keontae George could be a good option. Uh, either of those guys um, would be a couple that I would look at next at this level. Um, beyond that, yep, I'd probably go with one of those two guys. Raphael, are you in agreement? Can you guys disagree for once? Can you come up with something? <laughs> well, we did disagree about the whole thing. We just disagreed. Yeah, Tyler. no, you did. You did. You did. I, okay, fair, I, fair. I, I took a strong stance. So I apologize if it was too no, strong. No, I love it. I'm here no, for it. <laughs> so I would say shooters. I would look for an athletic shooter. Jet Howard would probably be my first choice. But Max Lewis from Pepperdine, nearby Pepperdine. That's right. Is, is another choice that, that I would add. Didn't go to like the, the, the big name school. It was kind of one of those guys a lot of people don't know about because, I mean, honestly, who's watching WCC hoops outside? Especially <laughs> the co host of Locked hey, On College Basketball, Andy well, Patton. 
But the majority of the country is asleep by the time those games come on. And then Pepperdine wasn't good. So I think a lot of people aren't familiar with Max <laughs> Lewis, but he is a really, really good NBA talent. And he's someone that I would strongly consider from the Lakers. Okay. Uh, last question for you before we find out at the pick, which should be in momentarily. How close are the Lakers, do you think, Raphael, to making that next step? Do you think they could be contenders next year? I mean, when you have LeBron on your team, you're always a contender. Every year we talk about Father Time and LeBron. He just keeps yeah. beating Father Time. Eventually, when he's like 43 or 44, he may slow down. If you're the Lakers, you have to feel optimistic simply because they got off to a terrible start. They made some changes midway through the season and then ended up going to the, the conference finals, even though they got swept. But they went to the conference finals with, with a group of guys that really hadn't played together. And, you know, in the middle mm -hmm. of the NBA season, you don't really get a lot of time to practice and learn each other. So yeah. I, I think they're fine. I think a couple of tweaks here and there, and, and they should be right back in there. It just depends on what happens with the Warriors or the Suns. I mean... The NBA is, is so much parody now. I just think it's best for the game. So, but I don't think they're far off. They got Austin Reeves. They're in great shape. Hundred million. That's what Austin Reeves <laughs> should get this summer. Hundred million. Oh, okay. All right. Well, the Lakers pick is in. Let's go to Locked On Lakers host Andy Kamenetsky. This is Andy Kamenetsky, co-host of the Locked on Lakers podcast. And with a 17th pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the Lakers will select Jet Howard, a freshman from Michigan. Jet Howard is projected by many to have real 3 and D upside in the NBA, the ability to produce uh, along the wing as a scorer, whether you're talking about creating his own shot or the ability to spot up, make outside shots. He has defensive upside. He's considered very coachable, very mature, which isn't surprising when you consider that his father is his former coach at Michigan and a former longtime NBA player, Juwan Howard, who also happens to be from his fab five days at Michigan, the former teammate of current vice president of basketball operations, Rob Palinka, which likely means that Palinka has known Jet Howard, I'm guessing, since he was a little kid, perhaps even very well. He, I imagine this is a pick that Rob Palinka will feel very comfortable making both from a basketball perspective, but also knowing the player, knowing exactly it, who it is that you're going to be bringing into your building and looking to develop. Okay. Raphael, do you have any insight? Can you confirm that Palinka connection or not? Have they known each other a while? I mean, he's telling the truth. And that was a connection I never thought of. The Braun, Jawan Howard, Miami connection. I thought about that. I thought about that one, yes. But I totally forgot Palinka was on, was on the Fab Five team. Only thing I disagree with was he's talked about Jet Howard's defense. <laughs> Jet was like, he doesn't defend. And maybe to add some context, he was dealing with the ankle injury throughout the year. And, you know, maybe that affected, you know, his ability to slide side to side. I have concerns about him on the defensive end. And then he only averaged three rebounds per game at like 6'8". That's concerning. But the offensive upside is there. He, he can shoot. I think he's a potential uh, shot creator for himself. So I like the pick there. I'm not mad at it at all. What's interesting for me is Jet Howard came into last year as the 43rd ranked player at 247 Sports. And for me, when I'm looking at players coming in, anyone outside the top 40, I'm like, 
yeah, we will have you around for a couple of years. Like he was not projected to be a one and done player by any stretch of the imagination. Um, not, not someone you think about as almost a lottery pick as we have him here. Um, and so for me, this was the biggest miss of all the high school talent of evaluators in last year's class. His defense absolutely is a question, one but the sh- do what? What is one more? What? His, he played with Taylor Hendricks in high school as a freshman. And Hendricks was, was even further out. Yeah. Yes. And then Bryce Sensible. And they all went to school in Florida. So exactly. I don't know. Somebody skipped over Florida. Something's <laughs> uh, in the water there. And, and in fact, I almost brought that up with Hendricks when we were talking about him. I think he was ranked in the 70s coming out of high school. But, man, as, as for Jet Howard, I mean, it quickly became apparent early in last college basketball season that uh, people had missed the boat. I mean, he hit at least one three-pointer in 27 of the 29 games he played. He hit multiple three-pointers in 24 of the 29 games he played. I think at least part of the reason high school talent evaluators missed on him is because he was the third leading scorer at IMG his senior year. And the reason for that, the dudes who were scoring ahead of him were by the name of Jairus Walker and Keontae George, two other picks in the first round of this draft. So uh, they got some, somebody uh, got something right at IMG a little bit there. And so anyway, I, I think a lot of that just because of how elite IMG was kind of hid Howard's capability a little bit. And then when he got to Michigan and was allowed to blossom and flourish, he absolutely did. Can he handle the bright lights of LA as this pick would need to be? Absolutely. He's got the pedigree of of his dad, who's been around the block, part of that fab five, as we heard earlier. And so I'm not worried about him in LA. I think he fits there and it would be a great thing, but man, you need shooting jet. Howard can do it for you. And the benefits of playing for your dad. Like, your dad knows your game in and out. And it's not one of those situations where the dad is, like, unrealistic and he's trying to make his son somebody. Juwan really knew what Jet was capable of. We didn't get to see all of that at IMG. But then the first thing that comes to my mind is, imagine, you know, being a high schooler, you're in the layup line, and you see this team that has three NBA players in high school. That's crazy to me. And like Jaden Bradley was on that team as well. I mean, who's probably going, you know, going to have at least a shot at NBA. I mean, ridiculous. Yep. So one thing that I saw about Jet Howard, an NBA writer or a draft analyst wrote, Jet Howard is a very unathletic 6'8 and pretty much has no vertical burst. I know you guys were kind of critical of his defense, but just big picture, where would you rate his athleticism? And, you know, how will that be a factor in whether or not he can contribute at an NBA level? Either if one. I had gotten further into his cons than I did beyond the defense, athleticism was going to be the next thing. It's okay. it's average for me at the NBA level. I don't have his um, combine measurements in, up in front of me in terms of yeah, do what he didn't measure. Yeah, I don't think he did anything at the combine. That's why I didn't have it in my notes. Um, yeah. And so maybe uh, let's pull back the curtain a little bit and imagine maybe that was for a reason. Definitely. I mean, I know it's easy to fall in love with athleticism, and I think mm-hmm. athleticism is the reason why Marvin Bagley went ahead of Luka Doncic and, <laughs> and Trey Young, because those are two guys that people say, oh, they're not athletic, yada, yada, yada. But Jed is skilled, and even if he just has a role as a spot-up shooter, I mean, he, he's going to be fine. There may be some concerns about how the lack of athleticism, you know, 
doesn't translate on the defensive end, but I mean, Nikola Jokic can't jump over a sheet of paper, and he is the two-time MVP. That's right. So sometimes you just have to look at the skill level and understand that sometimes the skill level cannot weigh the lack of athleticism. That's right. Look at the tape. The tape tells you everything you need to know. If you can ball, you can ball. For more on Howard, let's check in with Locked On Wolverines host Isaiah Holt. Howard is the son of Jawan Howard. He had one year at the college level. And to say he was streaky is a bit of an understatement. He uh, he had games in which he was certainly the leading scorer, the, the guy who could come in and take over a game. But then he had plenty of games where he would just miss straight up and just was not nearly as consistent as you would hope. But when you look at the, the capability, the ability, the size, all of that kind of stuff, I mean, he is a well-muscled, big type of player. Uh, he can do a lot for you, uh, but he just needs to find a little bit more consistency. Uh, he suffered a lot of injury issues this last year, which is in part because he is willing to do anything for the team and put himself in a lot of kind of precarious situations and positions. But uh, Jet Howard has that ability to take over a game. Uh, he's got to stay healthy. And he's got to be able to, to go out there and uh, hit his shots uh, because there are games where he will disappear and Michigan had to rely on the other options out there. But if he's healthy and consistent, he is a big, big, big pickup at the NBA level. All right. That's, a, that's some pretty strong words right there. Big pick at the NBA level. Let's check in now with our locked on NBA big board expert Leaf to lean to see if he agrees with that. At 17, the Los Angeles Lakers selected Jet Howard from Michigan, a sharpshooting wing who possesses the ability to shoot and size but lacks defense and rebounding. He's interesting because shooting and size are so coveted, but his defensive liability is something that will push him down draft boards based on where he started the year as such a hot commodity, someone who shot the lights out, ran the floor, hit open shots. The Lakers take him, and that's about as ideal a landing spot as you can find for a shooter with size playing alongside LeBron James. You you are able to get open shots and do what you do best. But Jet Howard, I think, is someone who may fall down the draft board, in this case going 17th, which is not too low, not too high, but interesting landing spot for Jet as the Lakers will prioritize his shooting so much so. I wonder if his defensive uh, inefficiencies and deficiencies uh, come to bite him there. That's a player I'll have my eye on on the summer league to see how he handles NBA athletes as opposed to playing against inferior athletes in the Big, Teen, Big Ten where he was able to shoot the ball well but still showed the inability to rebound. Jet Howard, great shooter, top three shooter in the class, big guy, limited upside with the ball in his hands as a creator, not a good defender. We'll see if he can become more athletic. That's something to, to be determined. Okay, moving along to our 18th selection here in our Locked On NBA Mock Draft special. Miami Heat on the clock now. This is a team that's already competitive, has one of the best coaches in the NBA and Eric Spolstra. You've got Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero already on this roster. What, you know, are they looking for in this draft, I guess, Rafael? Probably a guy that's undrafted. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so they can uh, have him come out of nowhere. No, my, Miami's... It's just so hard to predict. I mean, you look at their roster that made it to the NBA Finals. I mean, these are not names that even like college basketball diehards would have expected to have big roles on a Finals team. And Miami's so unpredictable. I mean, 
Haywood Highsmith. Let's go. <laughs> so, so if I'm Miami here and the guy that I think that seems like he fits this heat culture is Olivier Maxence Prosper, the guy oh, that has kind of come out of nowhere. He had a great NBA combine. He had a great pro day. He's long. He's athletic. The shot is improving. The role that he played at Marquette is similar to the role that I think he's going to play in the NBA. He's, he's not going to have to scale down. And he went to Marquette. Jimmy Butler went to Marquette. And Marquette guys have this, this I, I, don't, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but there's like a certain type of player that you're getting out of Marquette. He fits that description. And I think he's a Miami Heat guy. Any other names come to mind, Isaac? Uh, at some point, I'm, I mean, we still, still have not seen Keontae George come off the board. Yeah. I'm just going to keep ringing that Why bell. Why not? We're back, yeah. in, we're back into Cam Whitmore range with this thing. Like, somebody's got to take this, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, will it be the Heat? Our 18th selection is in. Let's go to Locked On Heat host David Rommel. I'm David Rommel, the host of Locked On Heat. And with the 18th pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the Miami Heat select Gigi Jackson of South Carolina. The Heat doesn't have any specific weaknesses to target, but will face the possibility of losing a few players at different positions this offseason. However, there's still a team that plays undersized, specifically at power forward, and that's where Jackson fits in. At six foot nine and 215 pounds, he has the size to play in the front court, and he has the speed and skill to play up or down as needed. He can do it all, but his consistency at South Carolina is one of the biggest concerns about him. As one of the youngest players in the draft, Jackson isn't quite ready to play in the NBA, but that's okay because Miami doesn't need him to right away. They show the willingness to punt on a rookie season with Nikola Jovic, Miami's 2022 draft pick, and would likely do the same for Jackson, taking the time to develop him as they have with so many others. Jackson is young and raw, but his skill set and athleticism is undeniable. And in that sense, he's a perfect fit for a team like Miami. It's a move for the future, an infusion of undeniable talent to help ease the transition as Jimmy Butler ages. All right, we've already talked a lot about Gigi Jackson and what he brings to the table, but Isaac, how do you see him fitting in with the Heat? Well, here's the thing with Gigi Jackson. The upside we heard a lot about. The downside for me with Gigi Jackson, I cannot yet determine if it's because of his age or if it's because of who he is, and that is immaturity. I saw that time and time again with things from Gigi, whether it was his handling of decommitting from North Carolina and going to South Carolina, whether it was putting his coaching staff on blast on IG Live for everyone to see last year, whether it's a whole myriad of things like that, would give me a lot of pause to want to bring him to this fictional South Beach that we have in our mock draft, right? Like that just seems like not a recipe for great success. What I do like about it is because Gigi um, because the Heat, a team that just made the NBA Finals, don't necessarily need him. You come in, you teach him the culture, you let Jimmy Butler and whomever, you know, Lowry, whoever, teach him the ropes, make sure he understands what it means to be a mature NBA basketball player and don't let him fall back on that. But my goodness, as Raphael said earlier, if the Heat, again, a team that just made the NBA Finals, are getting the 2024 number one pick here, that's a massive win for this team from South Florida. Yeah, I agree. I, I think what Miami, one, it's just tough in a sense because 
with any draft pick, right? Any draft pick, you're, you're basically giving a teenager millions of dollars and you're having him move to Miami. And it's even more concerning if it's a guy that that is known for being a little bit immature or that is the knock on him. It's his maturity and the fact that he's only 18 years old. It is definitely a risk for, for Miami. And then it's also a risk really for any player to go to Miami because once you sign up, or well, it don't necessarily sign up unless you're a free agent, but once you're drafted by the Heat, you are going to be coached hard. You're going to have mm-hmm. a body fat test every yep, Monday. Exactly. It's, it's probably one of the most difficult organizations to play for because they don't care where you were drafted. They don't care what your accolades were. If you are... What's the guy's name? Uh, I want to say Alonzo Highsmith, but I want to say that's the old running back for the Houston Oilers. <laughs> but they, they have guys that most people haven't heard of, and they're playing and they're competing at a high level because Miami's one of the few teams that does not care about what you did prior to, to going there. So I like the pick for Miami as far as upside, but it's I think it's uh, a situation that could be boom or bust. Thousand percent. So that literally, you read my mind. We're on the same wavelength, Raphael. And then that was going to be my question. You with everything. <laughs> yeah. Dang it. Okay. You know what? You're wrong. <laughs> I don't really have any statements to back up why you're wrong, but you are. Um, my question was literally going to be though, boom or bust. What is your actual prediction, Isaac? Um, I, I've spent some time around Gigi the last few months. He was training in Dallas, and one, he is a great, great kid. I think the, mm-hmm. the maturity issues are. I mean, when I first met him, I said, you know, everybody talks about your maturity. Do you know why? He says, oh, yeah, because I did something stupid. And he was basically talking about when he went on IG Live. So he was very um, open about the mistake that he made. And I think that's kind of carried with with the reputation. I think the talent is, is, is really there. The biggest concern is how does he handle not playing? Because if you're the 18th pick and you're on the Miami Heat team that went to the NBA Finals, I mean, realistically, it's going to be tough to crack that rotation. So now you may end up in Sioux Falls, where the G League team is at, which is just a long way from Miami. How do you handle not playing? How do you handle, uh, you know, just the the whole adjustment with a lot of money in your pocket and in Miami? So that that's going to be the the, the biggest obstacles which if i remember correctly was kind of the instigation or the uh yeah the instigation for what caused that eg ig live situation is where there was a couple like a three-game stretch where he wasn't starting or wasn't getting as much playing time as he thought he should and it, for him i think that's yes that's it yeah in the mm-hmm. game yeah and so you, you wonder about that like um but i mean ultimately i think you know to your boom or bust question I would lean boom more than bust because the talent is there. I don't think that an NBA franchise who invests all this is going to let him get away with any of these um, issues real or perceived. Right. And so um, I think when you put around him, because one of the other issues I, I struggled with Gigi a little bit this past year was, at times the ball sticking with him at times mm-hmm. taking, you know, being very inefficient overall and, and just taking early shot clock shots that he shouldn't be taking with better talent around him with people putting him in the position to do what he does best. I see it going well more than I see it doing poorly, you know, put it, put it in a 1000 time generator and you probably get 800 booms and 200 busts. Yep. 
And I think another potential obstacle is Gigi fell in South Carolina's lap. They were ha- like, whoa, <laughs> you want to come here? <laughs> do whatever you want to do. Brand we're new coaching staff. <laughs> True. It's not going to be the case in Miami. He's not going to have the same freedom. But the talent is there. I would say if you just went like just potential best case scenario, in my opinion, if, if he reaches his potential, I think Gigi's a top five player in this class. Hmm. The big question now, does Jackson have the maturity to make it to the NBA and make it to that potential? Let's see what Richard Stamen of Locked On NBA Big Board thinks about this. The Miami Heat take Gigi Jackson at number 18, which has a lot of risk and a lot of reward. Gigi Jackson's a 6'9 forward. He is the youngest player in the draft. He turned 18 and one month into his college season in the middle of December, or early December, I should say. So he'll get a full month of NBA basketball as an 18-year-old, he will be the youngest player his rookie season. There's a lot to build on. However, there are risks. He had poor passing tendencies that will need to be improved as he matures. He also will need to mature both on and off the court. He went on Instagram Live at one point during the season, uh, kind of seen complaining about his role. But by all indications, he's a good kid. He's maturing as he fully you know, develops both mentally and physically the Heat could have a real steal here. He has the potential to be a top 10 player from this draft. Up next with the 19th pick, the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors fall short of defending the NBA championship with a tug of war going on, really, between what is now an aging core, trying to win now, and then developing young talent. Could they possibly find a diamond in the rough with the 19th pick? Or are more trades a Bruin here on our mock draft special? We'll find all of that out up next. This Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's easy to get caught up in what everyone else wants with just how fast-paced our world is today. It's so important you take time to focus on what makes you happy. It's also important to focus on your mental health. It's something that's helped me a lot is stopping and just taking 10 to 15 minutes for myself every day. Therapy is one way that you can learn the tools to have more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime with no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash NBA. Moving along here in our Locked On NBA Mock Draft special pick number 19 goes to the Golden State Warriors. I get to talk about the team I cover. I am based in the Bay Area and cover the Golden State Warriors and I'm a co-host of the Locked On Warriors podcast. Um, So 19 pick going to the Warriors. This is a team that won a championship a season ago. Size and defense are definitely the two biggest needs for this team. However, I don't necessarily think they need to be adding a young player. The Warriors already have so many players in that 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 range i don't necessarily even think they need to add anyone at all i would like to see the warriors trade away this pick and that's my take right off the top rafael and isaac what are your guys thoughts on the golden state warriors <laughs> I, i'm torn on one hand okay and i've heard people say that 
they botched the was it twenty one draft if they would have made better James Wiseman. James Wiseman, Wiseman. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've even heard people say Kaminga, if they would have taken Franz Wagner, he could probably help them more than, than Kaminga could. So I've heard some people say that because they botched their, their, their lottery picks, they had three or was Moses Moody, well I know he was in that range. That they'd um, He was right around the position. teens, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's so um, I just think it was a tough spot for all of those guys to develop. And, and, you know, on a team like that, that was trying to win now. But then again, you can say the Warriors, I mean, they drafted well with, with Jordan Poole. On one hand, it's like, you don't, I get what you're saying. You don't want to add another young player. But then it's like, you have to prepare for the future. But then there's another part of me that's like, you got Steph. You need to maximize all of his years. I'd even bring Draymond back. I mean, the Warriors got the money to pay, but I know this new CBA is going to make it tough. (laughs) But I get what you're saying. I would probably trade the pick. If not, if I'm going to keep the pick, I would add a a point guard, a big point guard like Jalen Hood Shafino. And I think he would be someone that could that could potentially help them out. And it's like the poor man's LaMelo ball. I know there's some people that feel like, oh, they should have drafted LaMelo ball. Hood Shafino is like a scaled down version with the size and the passing and I think he fit in, especially the way you get it in that. Interestingly, like um, with Hood Shafino, I'm all in on that. So let me just give another name. And it's a name that I've said over and over and over again, and that's Keontae George. But here's why I think it makes a lot of sense here. We talked about earlier that what Keontae George chose for college was to go to Baylor and play in a loaded backcourt with experienced veteran guards around him in Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer. That's exactly what he would be stepping into with Steph and Clay able to kind of guide and point the way to bring Keontae George along, help set him up to maybe be part of the next iteration of the Warriors over the next decade or so. Another name is Chris Murray for me. He's a veteran. I mean, like I said, 23. He's the one that can come in and contribute right away. And I think that he will provide some frontline depth for the Warriors. Kylan, let's put you in our seat right now since this is your team. Uh, This is Isaac Shade here, the co-host of Locked On College Basketball, taking the hosting (laughs) duties right now here on the Locked On NBA 23 mock draft. Kylan Mills, if the Golden State Warriors do not trade away this 19th pick, who on earth should they be taking? Your thoughts. So I actually like what you guys brought up. I like Jalen Wood Shafino from Indiana because you're looking at a 6'6 guard who's not a great shooter, but he's a great defender. And the Warriors were one of the worst teams this season in perimeter defending. It was a major need. It's a reason why right before the trade deadline, the Warriors offloaded James Wiseman, that number two pick from just a couple of years ago, and brought back Gary Payton II, who was the team's arguably best on-ball defender from the championship run. So to me, it, it makes sense. And especially when you're looking at young players who come in, if you play defense Steve Kerr will play you like that's one thing that he has made very clear and he said the message outright to the media like he tells his young guys focus on the defensive end don't force it on offense the offense will come we already have shooters we have guys who can produce offensively play good defense and you will play so to me that's why that pick makes a lot of sense could he be someone who could come in and contribute early uh, on the defensive side of the ball as I mentioned 
I don't love bringing in another young guy. You know, you've got two rookies from last season. Moody and Kaminga are still very young. I mean, at one point, they had six players who were 23 and under this last season. Like, that is a young, young roster when you're looking to win a championship. I actually went through at one point, and it was by far the youngest roster of any teams that were in playoff contention or, like, you know, one through five at the end of the season in the Eastern and Western Conference. So, while I don't love bringing in a a young player, I think a great defender makes perfect sense, and they could potentially get time on the floor because of that. Well, Kylan, you've done a wonderful job unpacking (laughs) this pick, giving us some expert analysis. We now turn the hosting duties right back over to you. <laughs> well done, Isaac. Coming for my job. Jeez. No, goodness. He came no. for his job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe the other way down. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, my counterpart, Cyrus Satsis from Locked On Warriors, has our 19th pick. Let's see who he chose. <laughs> With the 19th pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the Golden State Warriors select. Actually, before I tell you that, I want to first mention the player that I originally wanted to draft representing the Golden State Warriors. Unfortunately, he was taken before the 19th pick, and that player is Duke center Derek Lively II. That is who I wanted for the Warriors, a 7'2", 215-pound, and he's going to add weight once he gets to the NBA and grows older. Center, that's what the Warriors needed. Alas, he wasn't available. So I'm going to go with the second-best option. With the 19th pick, going with Jalen Hood Shafino, a big guard. He's 6'6", 215. He's mature. He's a great outside shooter. He's a two-way player. And the only reason why he's falling to the 19th pick is because he had a minor back injury to start last season. He's polished. He's ready. And that's the 19th pick. Okay, so spot on. I think we all were kind of in agreement. Hood Shafino could be a good fit for the Warriors. But, I mean, Cyrus also mentioned it. My issue, though, is he brought up wanting to bring in a center. The Warriors did that a couple seasons ago when they brought in James Wiseman with the number two overall pick, and then they didn't want to bother developing him. And to me, it was just mind-blowing this entire season. Uh, you know, he's he has dealt with injuries through his Warriors career, but he was back from injury, and he DNP'd, like constantly DNP'd. He wasn't, to me, he wasn't given enough of a shot. Um, and he's a player who, coming in, you had to know needed to develop he played three games at memphis like to me bringing him in as a draft pick you had to know he wasn't a finished product but you know the front or you know i don't know if there was a disagreement we've talked about this at length on our lock and warriors podcast you know was there you know was the front office and the coaching staff not aligned in terms of how they want to develop and utilize these young players while also obviously chasing a championship again i mean that's the only question for me you know why bring in another center we just did it a couple seasons ago i mean i still think james Wiseman has potential to be an NBA player. Uh, the Warriors just didn't want to develop him. And, and you know, they're, they're working against the clock in terms of the timeline of the big three, especially if they bring in Draymond or they bring back Draymond on the player option this upcoming season. So I guess that that's the only question mark for me about bringing in a big. And that's why I'm almost more, you know, lenient towards bringing in a vet big because I think Steve Kerr would trust someone more to play them uh, versus a young guy who maybe needs, needs some development. And you know what? Before we move on, Raphael, if from what you've seen of James Wiseman, do you think he still has a future uh, NBA career? Yeah, I mean, he's still really young. I mean, he was really drafted so high based off of his high school resume. Yeah. And, I mean, even when you saw him in college, they played the non-conference schedule. I think he had one game against Oregon. And mm-hmm. I think he got in foul trouble. I mean, it's, it's tough because I think if they would have drafted LaMelo, I don't know how that would have worked out in, in right. a sense. Yeah. And so... It- I probably would have traded the pick, but at the same time, 
looking back at it at that time, everyone felt like, oh man, the Warriors are going to get this rim protector, vertical lap threat size, and the dynasty is going to extend. It just didn't work out that way. They did win a championship after that, but it just didn't work out wise, but like we thought. Yeah. Isaac, anything else on this pick? Yeah. Absolutely. Jalen hood Shafino was someone I loved in college basketball last year. I mean, l- let me first just say one word. I know we were talked earlier about athleticism and measurements and stuff, but this dude at the combine measured six, four and a quarter with a wingspan of six, 10 and a quarter. You love that from a guard on the perimeter. One of the things I often look for in college basketball is like, what was your game? What was that one time that was just like, Holy cow. This dude is an absolute dude. And that I know where you're going with this was February. <laughs> 25th at Purdue inside Mackey Arena. My dude went off for 35 points against a number one seed in the NCAA tournament who had the national player of the year in Zach Eady. Uh, very efficient shooting in that game. 14 of 24. Um, only took two threes. Indiana just doesn't shoot many threes as a team. Seven boards, two assists, a steal, a block, and only three turnovers. Like, that game was where I just looked at Jalen Huchifino and said, oh my goodness, he has everything I need to see from him. And oh, by the way, it's a similar thing to what I talked about with Keontae George, where he was playing alongside another hyphenated three-name dude in Trace Jackson Davis, who was one of the best players, not just in the Big Ten, but the entire country last year and was clearly able to coexist and work alongside Jackson Davis. And let's keep in mind, who is the head coach at Indiana now? A guy with head coaching NBA experience in Mike Woodson. So he gets what it's like to play in a high-level NBA-type environment. Now for more on Hood Shafino, let's check in with Leaf Tulin of the Lockdown NBA Big Board. The Warriors at 19 swoop in and take another talented guard in Jalen Hood Shafino, the freshman from Indiana, six foot six, 217 pounds, had a 35 point game on the road against the number one team in the nation, Purdue at the time. Uh, Jalen Hood Shafino scores in the mid range like he was born to do so. Uh, a developing point guard with tremendous size. And he, who better to learn from than Stephen Curry, have talent around him and mentors. I think Jalen Huchifino could uh, return top 10 level production should he find the right landing spot because he's able to score. He's got the body to go inside, shot the ball well, not the best athlete, but knows how to get to his spot, can, can shoot the ball, can drive the ball, can pass, played with a pick and roll system, I think in an open, more open spacing system than he played in at Indiana, he'll thrive, and I think the NBA is conducive for his game. I expect him to go before 19 in the actual draft. In this draft, the Warriors come away with a steal, and Jalen hood Shafino will probably ride the pine a little bit early on, but develop through, develop for the future years in his career with the Warriors. Good pick from the Warriors. No surprise there, as they tend to do so, getting another Big Ten freshman to fill the wings as Steph Curry and Klay Thompson age. The Warriors have tended to have some good picks. You guys mentioned a couple of of misses maybe, but still, who knows who's going to be picking for the Warriors with GM Bob Myers departing the organization recently. So we'll have to see in the real-life draft how that all shakes out. But Cyrus did well here in our Lockdown NBA Mock Draft Special. Now moving along to pick number 20, uh, the winds of trade are a-blowing, and we are getting word that a trade has officially happened. Let's sound the alarm once again. Uh, The New York Knicks, Knicks have made a trade with Houston it's a pick for pick trade the Knicks get the 20th pick in this 2023 draft and Houston gets a 2024 pick top 10 protected any reactions from either of you guys first on this trade 
Nick's making moves. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, I, I gotta love the fact that they're being aggressive. They didn't like how the season ended. They clearly like this draft class. So big shout out to the Knicks for, for, for being aggressive and making moves. All right. Well, you know, we also have to keep in mind, New York picked Jordan Hawkins with the 11th pick in our Locked on NBA mock draft special to address some of the three-point shooting issues. Isaac, who's the next available player and what direction do they go? I mean, I, I think if I'm the Knicks now, I'd probably go with a forward. We, we've talked a couple times about um, who did I just have in my head? Um, <laughs> goodness gracious. Chris Murray, uh, as somebody that's already a little bit established, could come in. Um, you know, we're getting into this level where uh, we've, we've passed some of the other guys. And so you start to look at. Uh, maybe a, a Bryce Sensabaugh for the Knicks, who interestingly enough, I saw play in Madison Square Garden this year um, in the tournament up there. And so uh, there's a couple guys I might be looking at at this part. There's a guy that we haven't talked about yet that I think would be perfect for the Knicks. Have we talked about Keontae George yet? <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> who? <laughs> <laughs> he would provide scoring punch, shooting, I think at the four spot, I mean, you look at, they got Randall. They just added Bo Bo. Um, they have Obi <laughs> Toppin. And adding Jordan Hawkins, who can play the wing, and then adding Keontae George, who could be a, you know, a backup guard, or at least in their rotation. And Keontae shot 47% on uncontested catch-and-shoot jumpers. So I think this move with, with the Knicks have, have with their moves today, They've added some shooting, or they can add additional shooting by adding Keontae George along with Jordan Hawkins. But Bryce Sensabaugh is the name you mentioned. He shot 40% from three this year also. So that could be good. Well, the pick is in, so let's find out who they selected. Here's Locked On Knicks host Alex Wolf with the 20th pick in our draft. With the 20th pick in the Locked On NBA mock draft, the New York Knicks select Bryce Sensabaugh, freshman out of Ohio State. And yes, the Knicks are back again at the 20th pick this time, giving up a 2024 protected first round pick of their own, as well as Detroit's 2025 second round pick, which the Knicks own. And honestly, feels great to get Bryce Sensabaugh. He's a versatile scorer. He's a big built player, looks more like a football player and yet has the shifty game of a guard can generate his own shot, shot over 40% on decent volume from three this year and also 48% overall and 83% from the free throw line. So he has scoring chops, which the Knicks really needed in that series against the heat. So all in all coming away with two roughly 40% volume, three point shooters, sense of ball, a little more of an interesting player, uh, in terms of how he's going to translate to the NBA, but definitely has scoring talent. If the Knicks come away with these two guys, you got to feel really, really good about what they did on draft night. And we're certainly happy with getting Bryce Sensabaugh to pair with Jordan Hawkins. Okay, so Ohio State's Bryce Sensabaugh forward off the board. He's a three-level scorer, but is there any concern about his defense, either one of you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I okay. Think what's the level of what's the level of concern we're going with? <laughs> well, and Isaac can correct me if I'm wrong, but was it is it true that he wasn't starting like the first few games at the beginning of the season because there were big concerns about mm -hmm. his, his defense? 
Well, that and like yeah. Sensabaugh wasn't somebody we really projected or expected to do what he did. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, absolutely. He started. I've, I've got their starting lineups pulled up. He didn't come in into the starting lineup until their ninth game of the season in early December. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, he was not in that lineup right out of the gate. But once he got into the starting lineup, he did not leave other than a couple of random games throughout the rest of the season. Okay, but once he was in the lineup, yeah, I mean, once he was in the lineup, we saw that he was a scorer, but what was your evaluation of him on the defensive side, Isaac? Oh, yeah, I mean, he was certainly a liability, Um, like (laughs) somebody that could be taken advantage of. I I forget who we said this about earlier, but somebody that if I'm um, scouting against Ohio State, it's like, ah, yeah, let's go at whoever Sensabaugh is guarding. Like, it's, it's that kind of thing. And, um, you know, that, that is something that's either going to have to be hidden or worked on for him to, to be a fit for the Knicks here. And so, um, yeah. And here's the other thing. I mean, Ohio State just had a rough a rough year. Uh, th- things did not go well, a losing season, but he was Bryce Sensabaugh, a bright spot for them in that season. He was their leading scorer, 16 points a game, you know, and um, that's over key veteran returners like Justice Suing and Zed Key and others. And so um, a, a guy that came in kind of took us by surprise, but definitely has some things he needs to work on. And that's what you kind of expect here when you get to the 20th pick of the draft. So I did an article on NBA Big Board, my newsletter, and I was asking coaches from different conferences just to give their anonymous, honest opinion about some of the top prospects. And what stood out to me was one coach said about Sensenball, he was a guy who we felt doesn't want to guard. I think he's capable of guarding, but we felt like if we could get him going through screens, screen him off the ball and make him work, that's how we could exploit him. And that's and just kind of give coach. up. Yeah. Yeah. And Tibbs is not going for that. That's <laughs> one thing for sure. You have to defend. But if Tibbs can, you know, get the motor running on defense and improve the effort, potentially have a two-way player. Because I'm not worried about the capability. Yep. It's the want to and the desire. Yep. And mm-hmm. that's what this coach was saying. That's the main reason why I would just bring up defense is because we're talking about the New York Knicks. It's well known that head coach Tom Thibodeau, you know, lives and dies on defense. So I'm just curious how a player who in the college game was a defensive liability would fit into a rotation of Thibodeau specifically. Um, But it sounds like you guys think he has, you know, potential there and has the athleticism. It's a matter of effort. You think Tibbs is going to get that out of him? I do. Uh, we've talked about a couple of different players. We looked at it with Jet Howard. We looked at it mm-hmm. with Taylor Hendricks. This is another guy that was ranked like 65th coming in out of high school in this class. And so clearly the desire is there to keep doing everything he can to get to where he needs to get to. And so if he's sitting down with an NBA front office that says, hey, listen, we're drafting you. But if you ever want to touch the floor out inside the lines of the playing surface, then here's what you got to do. I believe that Bryce Sensabaugh is going to get after it and do that. And with that frame that, that we heard talked about there, he, he's very capable of pulling that off. Well, let's see uh, what Jay Stevens from Locked on Buckeyes has to say, if he agrees with any of that on Sensabaugh. Bryce Sensabaugh. 
forward Ohio State. As a member of the 2023 Big Ten all-freshman team, this young man wasted no time showcasing his ability to score all over the court. He's six foot six. 235-pound frame, solid, sturdy frame that he has, allows him to excel at scoring through contact in the paint. He has a phenomenal mid-range game, one that was a lot of fun to watch. He could score on you with his back to the basket or facing up as well. But also from downtown, he shot 40% from three-point land, so he's an accurate shooter that NBA teams will love in the future. This young man, Bryce Sensible, a phenomenal basketball player that NBA teams, NBA fans will love watching every night in the National Basketball Association. I love Jay Stevens. Gosh, I love Jay Stevens. We needed that energy. You got me fired up. I want to suit up and play. Let's <laughs> go. We're all ready to run through a brick wall for Jay Stevens. Let's go from Locked On Buckeyes. Uh, I mean, any other thoughts just in terms of his insight and sense of I mean, if Bryce Sensenball brings that type of energy on the defensive end. <laughs> right? <laughs> He'd be a lottery pick. Then we, we, we'd be set. Isaac, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I'm all about that Jay Stevens energy. Let's go. Let's get after it. No, but I, I, very seriously, um, he is somebody that has already – I talked earlier about seeing him play in Madison Square Garden. That was during the CBS Sports Classic back in December, which is an, an annual thing with those two schools along with Kentucky and UCLA. And this year it was North Carolina and Ohio State. It took a miracle shot by Pete Nance to send the game to overtime. But Bryce Sensba had like 22 in that game and showed out. So he's already done it in this building. The question is, now can he do it on the defensive side? We're going to have to keep watching that. But again, the capability is there. They just got to get him to want to do it. But when this is what you do and this is your job, there's a couple uh, million reasons in his bank account that I think he's going to want to do that. Fair enough. Money talks, right? I mean, it do. It do. <laughs> Raphael, no reaction there. Money talks. It does talk. It, the, the first thing that came to my mind was, and I didn't want to say it, but I remember Uh-oh. Jabari Parker said, they don't Uh-oh. pay me to play defense. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, that wasn't a wise quote, but no, nah, I mean, money does talk. <laughs> and if you're not motivated by millions, but I don't know what really motivates <laughs> Right, yeah, what motivates you? All right, well, how will skill set translate to the NBA? Here's Richard Stamen of Locked On NBA Big Board to weigh in. The New York Knicks selected Bryce Sensabaugh from, from Ohio State University, which is a very high upside play. Bryce Sensabaugh has all the tools to be a very good player, especially in the backcourt as a combo guard. The only problem is, is that he's kind of got all the tools, but he doesn't know how to use them yet. For example, on defense, he is quick physically. He can turn his hips. He can guard guys one-on-one. However, he doesn't do it consistently. And additionally, he also is very lost off-ball defensively, kind of struggles to read and react on the defensive end. So he's going to have to learn defense very quickly and understand it at a high level over the years, grow in that regard. Also, he can pass. He's made some high-level reads, but he often was very shoot-first, went for his own look first, Things like that, that's kind of scary. Those are little red flags, but his talent could end up being top 10 in this draft. So I love the risk for the Knicks here. I think this is a great pick at the 20th pick. All right, picks 21 through 25 will be coming up in our next episode. Before we go, next best players available, whoever wants to go first. Who are you looking at? Can't say George. 
<laughs> Please, somebody take this I don't this think man. you. I don't think you mentioned him before. <laughs> Keontae, poor Keontae. He's sitting in the locked on green room, just <laughs> waiting on his name to be called. But uh, I mean, he has to come off soon. He has. At to. this point. If he's not the steal of the draft, I don't know who is. Like, somewhere outside the top 20, Keontae George is going to go in this draft. Preseason, I was giving him buzz as the national freshman of the year for college basketball last year. Like, that's the level of capability of this young man. And so, man, somebody in the next 10 picks before we get out of the first round better hop on this thing. It's feeling like Jaden Hardy last year at the at the NBA draft. You know, Hardy was also a projected top five to ten pick coming into the season. Like he chose the G League route, and he ended up falling into the second round. Hopefully, that's not the case for Keontae. But then Dallas got lottery project or lottery production out of Jaden yeah. Hardy this year. So hopefully, Keontae goes very soon. Another name we've brought up a good bit is uh, Chris Murray, a team that needs a a guy who's ready to go right now. Uh, At some point, uh, we're going to have to start looking at guys like Amari Bailey, uh, Derek Whitehead, another player who had kind of an injury-riddled freshman season but had high talent expectations coming into the year. So those are some of the names we haven't really maybe said yet, but that we're going to probably start seeing show up in the next episode. Will Keontae Jordan finally be selected in our next episode or will Raphael and Isaac be pulling their hair out as he keeps moving lower down the board you're just going to have to tune in to find out that'll be up in episode 5 of our Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special presented by the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day again you don't want to miss our next episode this does it for episode 4 don't forget you can find the entire special on both audio and video at the Locked On NBA and Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast feeds for Raphael Barlow and Isaac Shade. I'm Kylan Mills. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on the Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.